to Ukraine, where the ravaged eastern city of Bakhmut is reportedly on the verge of falling to Russia. The battle for the city has been raging for months, with fierce fighting and heavy casualties. There are still some 4,000 civilians trapped inside Bakhmut, living with no gas, electricity or water. Samuel Romani is a geopolitical analyst and associate fellow at the Royal United Services Institute and an Oxford University expert on Russian foreign policy, and he joins me now. Welcome to the program. Great to be here. Thank you. Ukraine is signalling it may soon withdraw its forces, but officials say they will defend the city for as long as possible. Is that time drawing to a close? Well, it's a bit hard to tell. I mean, Evgeny Prigozhin, the head of the Wagner Group, who's really overseeing all of Russia's operations in Bakhmut, said a couple of days ago that the city was encircled. But the Institute of the Study of War, which is one of the best uh, impartial analysts of the military situation, says that they're actually still some distance away from an encirclement. So if the Russians manage to gain more ground over the coming week or two and they get up near an encirclement, it's very likely that the Ukrainians will withdraw to more favorable positions. But until then, I think Ukraine is going to hold the line and defend. It was an encouraging sign for the Ukrainian resistance that the ground forces chief, Alexander Sersky, actually visited Bakhmut a few days ago to show that Ukraine is staying. All paved roads out of Bakhmut are now closed. The city's deputy mayor says evacuations from the front line have dropped to five to ten people each day. What is the likelihood of civilians getting out on foot? Well, that's going to be a very difficult prospect. Obviously, the city has depopulated itself from more than 70,000 people to uh, now under 4,000. So the trickle of evacuations from 600 a day to five to ten is partially attributable to that. But also it's because the Russians have bombed the infrastructure around the city, and it's now very difficult to get civilians out. And knowing the history of how Russia has treated humanitarian corridors, whether it be in Grozny and Chechnya, whether it be in Syria and Idlib, or more recently in Mariupol, I think there's going to be a lot of unfortunate civilian casualties in the process. The Wagner mercenary group claims they have surrounded the city. Do we know if that's actually been confirmed? Well, as I just said earlier, I mean, Prigozhin's uh, claims about encirclement are not necessarily uh, confirmed by outside sources like Institute of the Study of War, and certainly not from uh, the Ukrainian side either. So I think that uh, Prigozhin is trying to, at this moment in time, uh, prove that the Wagner Group is the most effective fighting force that Russia has relative to Russia's main military units. And as Russia's munition shortages uh, become more acute, they want to make sure that they get more of the ammunition and the shells and the artillery coming their way than to other bodies. So I think the Prigozhin has a vested interest in exaggerating Wagner's success in Bakhmut to be able to uh, get those resources. I don't think we should take his statements at face value. That's really interesting. Uh, so you think that j- broadly perhaps there is an exaggeration about the Wagner's gr- group's effectiveness? Yeah, I think it is. And it's very interesting to see how Prigozhin's rhetoric has changed. Uh, ironically, several weeks ago, when Russian telegram channels and Russian propagandists were saying that Bakhmut was on the verge of fall, Prigozhin actually would come in with a much more realistic assessment and say, no, it's not on the verge of falling. We're actually trying to create a meat grinder in Bakhmut where more Ukrainian elite forces will die and they'll be pitted against Russian conscripts, but Ukraine will lose more valuable soldiers than we will. And now it's completely changing tune and trying to claim that Bakhmut is about to uh, to be taken over. And that's probably because he's lost his uh, stream of prisoner recruitments and he's fighting with the Ministry of Defense a lot more aggressively and munitions supplies are short. So he has to change the narrative to show that he's being more successful than he actually is. If Bakhmut does fall into Russian hands, what would that mean for each side of of the war? 
Well, I think the Baku's strategic significance has diminished uh, as an infrastructure hub. Because when the Russians started uh, fighting in Bakhmut, it was still over the summer. And they still had control over Izium and Kupiansk in the outskirts of Kharkiv. And they still had control over Liman, also in Donetsk. So they had substantial uh, network of infrastructure and railway hubs. So an extra railway hub in Bakhmut would have been very convenient for their forces for resupply. Now they've lost Liman and they've lost Kupiansk. They're launching offenses in both directions on those cities, but they're far away from recapturing them. So I think that Bakhmut will be a symbolic victory. It'll be a step forward for their offensive on Donetsk and will encourage them to push on towards larger cities like Klobians and Kramatorsk. But the significance for the whole campaign uh, is a lot more diminished. I don't think it's as major a loss for Ukraine as it would have been if Russia also had a lot of other infrastructure hubs that could connect to it. That's interesting. So it's, it's, it would be a bigger psychological win than a strategic win. At this point, I think, yes. And given the amount of casualties that were lost on the Russian side, to be able to secure uh, Bakhmut, I think I, there's obviously the argument the Ukrainians can make that the sacrifices were nowhere near worse than benefits right now. German Chancellor Olaf Scholz told CNN it is necessary for Russian President Vladimir Putin to understand he will not win the Ukraine war, so negotiations to end the conflict can begin. How can negotiations be put back on the table? Well, right now, I think there's virtually no possibility of viable negotiations. And we saw China, for example, come out uh, a little over a week ago with their peace plan for an immediate ceasefire. And that was uh, being seen as a pro-Russian gesture, and that was being seen by the Ukrainians as something that's unrealistic. So unless the Russians give up on their main condition, which is uh, the fact that they need the Ukrainians need to accept uh, the, the control of Crimea and the four next regions as Russian, keep in mind that in three of those four next regions, there's, uh, the Russians don't even control uh, large sections of those territories. That there's going to be no negotiations that are going to happen. Also, the Ukrainians would have to see territory right now for talks to happen. So I think it's just an extremely remote prospect. Samuel, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much. Samuel Romani is a geopolitical analyst and associate fellow at the Royal United Services Institute and an Oxford University expert on Russian foreign policy. And you're listening to ABC RN Breakfast. ABC RN helps you understand the world. Find more of our stories on the ABC Listen app.